I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, some hot takes from the PBSA conference and $400 million for a $40 million company? Stick around. Okay, it's a few days after the 2022 mid-year PBSA show, and I just wanted to share a few quick observations. I'll go into a lot more detail next week when I'm joined by my iCubed advisors, partners, Jason Morris and Nick Fishman, for our post-PBSA webinar. And and by the way, stay tuned for details on that, whether you see it on LinkedIn or or via email. But this podcast today is going to tee up a few of those topics that we'll discuss in, in more depth next week. First, this felt like a normal PBSA show. The number of attendees, sponsors, events felt very pre-COVID. Now, none of that's going to help a shop make more money or, or necessarily reduce their risk, but for those of you who missed it or previously attended virtually or were waiting to see how this one went before whether deciding to go to the annual, this felt very normal. It was very, very nice to be back. So make those plans to, to go to Denver in the fall. Second, it was notable to see who was and who was not there, specifically attendees from larger CRAs. You know, other than the employees who are PBSA board members or longtime volunteers in the space, those that we've seen at at shows for 15 or 20 years, the absence of attendees from larger shops, especially the publicly traded ones, is at least to me very apparent. Now, I'm going to go in a lot more detail on this during the post-conference webinar with Nick and Jason, but the absence of attendees from these companies speaks volumes. And what it says, at least what it says to me, is it says they don't feel that they need PBSA or at least the, the PBSA conferences to run their businesses. I've long said that larger companies are charting their own course. They're executing on their own strategy largely based on the insights, analyses, and debate that's happening inside their buildings. They don't need these shows to help influence decisions that need to be made. That's 180 degrees different for smaller companies who do lean into the association, who do appreciate and need the programming uh, and, and other members for advice and guidance. Again, we're going to talk about that a lot more during the webinar. Third, there weren't a lot of sessions focused on how to make your businesses better. I, I get the mid-years more compliance and regulatory focused, but this was the first show for many people in, in over two years. Now, I'll admit I'm a bit biased. As these are the topics I love to speak about <laughs> the most, but I, I would have liked a few more business-oriented presentations, even if they weren't mine. Now, this isn't a shot at PBSA, by the way. I love the association. I volunteered for close to 20 years. I'm the BSCC chair. So this is just my personal opinion here. I, I would have liked to have seen a, a, a broader mix of sessions. And lastly, before we move on to good hire and checker, I wasn't as scared as I normally am. For for all the jokes we tell about mid-year being the show that makes everybody want to go home and close up shop because lawsuits are flying and we're going to be next, I I didn't get that sense this year. Maybe it's because I'm immune to it. Uh, Anyways, okay, on to good hire and checker. The last day of the PBSA show, the Wall Street Journal announced what had been suspected for a bit. Good hire was on the move and it was officially acquired by checker. Now, neither company is publicly traded, so details are sparse, or at least those details that can be shared without violating confidences or or NDAs. But let's look at what we do know, or at least can reasonably assume. First off, Checker did not write a $400 million check here. 
Now, Checker's market cap is estimated at around $4.5 billion, uh, according to recent reports after it closed its Series E in the fall. Good Hire was at last estimated uh, a while back at around a $30 million valuation. What, what I do admire, by the way, is Good Hire's dominance at the Google game and, and how aggressively it's leaned into paid ads. Google background checks right now. Dollars to donuts, Good Hire is first on the list or certainly near the top. Yeah, it's most likely an ad result and not an organic search result, but people smarter than me can tell you how much that helps relative to how much it costs. I, I Google keywords in our space all the time and can't recall the last time I did uh, and, and wasn't quickly punched in the face with something from Good Hire, whether it be paid or organic. And by the way, notice how I said Google background checks. I didn't say Yahoo background checks or Safari or Bing background checks. Google's become like Kleenex, not tissue, Kleenex. Just keep these things in mind when, when you're setting your digital spending budget. Okay, back to the acquisition. And, and most of the time, depending on where you sit in the space, inside your individual companies, these deals are just M&A porn. My typical guidance is it's interesting to see. Slow down as you drive by. See what you can learn from it. But otherwise, keep going on to your destination. I'm going to back up for a bit and set the table for my next point. My IQ partners and I, in addition to providing consulting, recruiting solutions, M&A, guidance, we study the market and provide data and internal analyses for interested organizations. Some who want this analysis and these data points want a top-to-bottom review of the space. Some want a more narrow but deeper look, estimated revenue, employee headcounts, competitors specializing in a vertical or geographical market. But my, my point is we're always looking and listening and tracking a bunch of different things in our space. And my goal in sharing this is I'm starting to feel a bit differently right now. Again, previously, M&A porn, look, stay focused on your direction, keep your head down. And, and I'm starting to change my mind a little bit. It's not just because the numbers are getting bigger. I'm feeling differently because I'm looking at who's buying, who's selling, who's investing. These entities are clearly betting on the industry. And for those exiting, this is not a fire sale. There are buy and sell decisions here, investments made by smart people who believe in the future or want to get out because they think the market is maybe as high as it's going to go. But again, the, the, these are not rushed to judgment decisions. These are intentional. These are strategic. These are focused decisions. And for those buying in, they certainly believe you can make a lot more money in this space than you could make before. And, and, and back to the who in, in these equations. For about 20 years, we've had three to four segments in our space. At the top, you've always had a handful of large companies. That hasn't changed. And at the bottom, you've had a ton of smaller companies, whether they were one to $3 million shops, either by design, that was the life they wanted to lead, the empire they wanted to build, or maybe they were in startup status. And, and maybe they grew, maybe they didn't, but you always had that longish tail of smaller CRAs in our space, and that really hasn't changed. And then the last one or two segments is the middle. And that's what's changed. Five years ago, I could very easily rattle off 20 companies in the mid-market space. The type of companies who could play at the same table as the big three, who could walk into the same pitch room right before or right after the big guys and be able to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Maybe they win the business, maybe they don't, but there's mutual levels of competency and, as importantly, respect between those organizations. Today, like 10 of those are gone. You know, numbers aside, 20 or 25 back then, 10 or 15 left now, the trend is pretty clear. The middle is disappearing in our space. 
I could easily do a 20-minute pod on what that means, everything from impact to the industry, where PBSA gets its volunteers and thought leadership, to sponsorships and revenue on the vendor side, to the impact of the costs and revenue structures of companies in our space, the intersection of automated technology, AI, machine learning versus human intervention. There's no shortage of on-the-ground impacts to the recent M&A activity and private equity investments in our space. But for now, I'm just pointing out there's still a few at the top, less than ever before in the middle, and a huge number, albeit smaller revenue, at the bottom. For those at the bottom, there will be some fabulous opportunities. Employers who left a CRA only to have the new provider bought by the same CRA they just left, or or end users who may feel a lack of love as the vendor shifts focus and onboarding a new client base because they just made an acquisition. There's no judgment here. It's all good all around. But these things tend to happen during a high period of M&A activity. And we're in as high a period of M&A activity as I've seen in 20 years. So some nice sized clients are going to shake loose and they'll land at some lower shops. And those small shops will go into medium sized shops, taking a place of the few of them who have exited. So there will be some replacements at the mid level. That number will get bigger from where it stands today. But a trend I'm really interested in seeing is how sharp that divide becomes over time between the 10 and 15 larger shops in our space and the hundreds below it. Wrapping up, it's great to see so many of you at the PBSA show. Don't forget to register for next week's full PBSA recap with my partners, Jason Morris and Nick Fishman. We'll cover what we saw, what we heard, and what we think as we head into the spring and summer months. One thing we know for sure, M&A and recruiting markets are showing no signs of slowing down. A few more deals and a few more placements for the team just this month alone. Anyways, thanks for listening to this episode of Background Check Radio. Have a great day.